0: Happy New Year. You made it. And has there really ever been a year like this where you feel like you do right now? I mean, you know, and I know that there's really only hours that separate 2020 from 2021. And yet those hours are like some sort of moat that's filled with lava to keep 2020 right where it is. From Keep it there. Stay there. Do not cross over here. Well, anyway, Happy New Year, and I'm so glad to have you listening. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You're in the right place. And this is crazy to say, but this is the first episode in our third season. So thank you. This is crazy, but thank you so much. I can't believe we're still doing this uh, three years in now, Uh, two years completed in our third year. So anyway, thank you so much uh, for doing this and being here. There's so much good coming your way this year, and uh, this episode is no exception, so let's get into it. Unrest. Unrest isn't a word that I've used much, but it's a fair description for what took place in August of 2020, a few miles south of where I'm recording this right now. Kenosha, Wisconsin was on every major news outlet featuring images of multiple shootings, protests, political figures, looting, and buildings burning. Unrest is definitely a fitting word, but what good could possibly come from a tumultuous month wrapped in a ridiculously overwhelming year, and who's supposed to step up when things seem hopeless and full of despair? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve shear and this conversation is about having the courage to step up and simultaneously being vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll work with you to figure it out. Jen Dooley Hogan of Dooley & Associates is my guest today, and she was a delight to be with. In our local community, she's that person you look to as a business leader, a volunteer, a giver of sound advice, and for many people, a trusted friend in times of crisis. Dr. King talked about hewing stones of hope out of a mountain of despair. This conversation will encourage all of us to not waste the mountain that 2020 was. We have a choice. So let's jump into it. Here is my conversation with Jen Dooley Hogan as she describes starting a business during the 2008 recession.
1: It was a unique time to start a business, but I I would never change it. So when I went through leadership Kenosha, one of the things that I had to be evaluated on was, was my strengths and weaknesses. My boss had to evaluate me. Community stakeholders had to evaluate me. I had to evaluate myself and coworkers had to evaluate me. And I, it was shared with me that my biggest flaw as a leader was I was not a risk taker. I, I always played it safe. And I took that to heart. I you know I was getting ready to turn 30 years old and I thought well I could safely be in this position for the rest of my life. I thought that I was not taking advantage of of my strengths if I just if I just spent my life being comfortable. And so I decided to actually start doing some freelancing. At that time I never envisioned a company though. I really envisioned that my what I would be doing was being a marketing consultant to businesses in Kenosha because there's a lot of small businesses here that just need assistance lining up a marketing program that works for them. The reason why 2008 worked was that a lot of marketing people were being laid off and I was able to fit in there to to give them the time they needed to accomplish their goals and and to help sustain their business, but also not, they didn't have to pay me vacation and benefits and all of those things that come along with an employee. So it was an ideal time for me to start uh, the business and actually get my foot in the door with lots of clients that to this day are still my clients, which I feel very fortunate 13 years later, just still be working with so many of the same great companies that gave me a chance right out of the door.
0: Talk about a little bit, uh, you're going into your birthday, you're, you're, you're not even 30 years old yet going to launch a company. What was the mindset that you had when, when you were starting the company in 2008?
1: I was just very, very fortunate. My friends, wow, my friends just built me up and were my biggest cheerleaders. And just my family was as well. They encouraged me to do this. Everybody encouraged me to do this. And as someone that fears failure, (laughs) you know, that I I always wanted to do everything correct. It was a very difficult, difficult thing. Um, I started actually growing the company and it evolved very organically. And I went with it I, every step of the way. And and I think that was where I, I just freed myself from my own personal fear of failure. And what I became my new motto through all of it was that failure was just not an option. It just wasn't for me. And I was never going to let it be. Sure, some things didn't work out that I tried. And, and sure... I didn't make every single client happy, but along that journey, I realized that as long as I put my mind to it and surrounded myself with good people, I wouldn't fail.
0: You're, you're hitting on where I would really like to hear this next, uh, an answer to this next question. You're, you're hitting on it. You're starting to get there, um, without me even asking. So I, but I understand, and I'm already hearing it. You are humble. And that's one of the things that people in the local community here love about you is you are humble. You need, you're need you already talking about people surrounding you and encouraging you and pushing you. Uh, but I think hearing about the company's progression will help frame the conversation a bit. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, talk a bit about that growth.
1: So within the first couple months, I was actually, um, I, I realized very quickly that I needed a graphic designer. And I was actually attending a YPR martini tasting in Racine. And at that, I met Dora Hagen, who's now Dora Knudsen. And that was literally the first year I was in business. And 13 years later, she remains part of the foundation of the company. She's always been a rock for me, a creative driving force in the company, and just someone that challenges me and understands me. Another significant milestone for us was nine years ago, we decided, or I decided at that time, that we needed to have a digital department. I I completely understood that, you know, Facebook with, with all of the different digital advertising coming aboard and social media and things like that, that, that wasn't something that I had received an education on while I was in college. And it was something that I, I, I could see the writing on the wall was going to be pretty influential in the marketing world. And I decided to, um, Start getting, putting my feelers out for somebody that was talented in this area. And that was actually when I recruited my husband, John Hogan. Um, he had started a, he was helping lead an initiative to start a digital department locally, and he was actually trying to compete against me. <laughs> so um, I, I, when uh, he wasn't my husband back then, but I it brought him in to chat with me and to better understand his skill set, and I realized that he was going to be part of needed to be part of our team because he was a leader in this area and, and I, I knew I needed him. Over the past, uh, since 2008, we have expanded our office five or six times. We started in a very tiny office in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. Um, I, my dad was fortunate enough to give us a uh, low rent, <laughs> an opportunity to move in there, and quickly we needed an office in Kenosha as well. We're now located in the Harbor V building downtown where a uh, three years ago, we built out a custom suite that I never, ever want to move out of. Um, we now have our own studio for doing video as well as photography, as well as just a beautiful space for our team to spread out. Um, we continue to reflect. I would say that's just where why we continue to grow and, and what continues to drive us is we continue to reflect on what makes us successful and which clients that we fit best with. We definitely a few years ago decided that we were only going to take on new clients that, whose values align with us. And that, that's that been a key to our success and in, in the team's overall happiness in improving that. And, and since we made that decision, we've definitely imp- improved our overall morale as an entire company.
0: You're hitting on several things here, but one of the things that, that I find really intriguing about you is how involved you are in the local community. You've already dropped several names in several places. Um, and people along the way that, that have, uh, that have helped. Um, but uh, you know, according to LinkedIn, you've been president of Rotary locally for, for about nine years or more, um, as well as a member of like four or five or six other organizations in varying capacities, which you seem to be everywhere. Why do you volunteer so much, to- so much of your time in the community while running a business? Cause you could, you know, you could easily leave it to someone else with a less busy schedule.
1: Yeah. So, well, just, just to correct that, I I haven't been president of Rotary for nine years. I've been in, in the club. I did serve as president though. (laughs) So, so I don't want all those other eight presidents to be mad at me thinking I'm taking credit for (laughs) Um, words. But yeah. So, you know, my favorite quote is to be the change you wish to see in the world. And that, that to me means that you show up for what you believe in and what you stand behind. And, I'm beyond blessed to be surrounded by a team that, that cares just as much about the community as I do. And I I just feel so grateful to be in a position where where we can help like we have a skill set that can make a huge difference in so many ways in our community from helping helping our nonprofits with messaging and strategies and graphics and things to get attention to help them draw in more donors or draw in more volunteers we have the skill set at our fingertips that makes a difference like a real difference and it's not just always monetary difference that we're making and so it's hard for me to say no because i I really truly know that, that we can change the world and that we do change our community and we are impacting our community through the work that we do at Dueling Associates. I know that we help raise more funds. I know that we help get more volunteers involved in the community. And I know that we're helping to tell the stories of these worthwhile nonprofits in our community. And to me, that's what why I keep continuing to give because I don't think that there's anybody else out there doing it all the time. And, and I guess it's hard for me to say no because the, these nonprofits have stories to tell and, we're, and we can help them do it.
0: So that leads right into my next question. Uh, so how do you say no? <laughs> is there a thought process? Is there any guidance that you can give some of us?
1: My best advice is not to say no, but it's to say, how can I help? So there's definitely times where I, I will say my company doesn't have the capacity to do what it is we're being asked of, but I help them brainstorm other and look for other ways that they could receive assistance or find help. And what I have found is that when we, when we are open to listening and connecting others inside the community... We, we can say no, but we can still help, help others drive forward and push forward in, in what it is that they're working on. And so I have a lot of really honest conversations when, it, when people are making asks of me of, of just what our workload may look like at the time that they're asking it. But I also just try and make sure that I'm not just saying no, but I'm saying here's where you can get additional help because I don't like to turn people away or I always want to give them a solution and not just a no.
0: So you are um, very, it's very apparent, not just to me, but to people that are listening in that you have a heart for helping for overcoming obstacles, but doing it in a way that leaves people in a good spot, even if you're not the person showing up, but you're willing to help get somebody else in there. So, so Jennifer, the next question is, is putting some of that belief that you have in community to the test. And, and what I mean is uh, recently in Kenosha, um, Kenosha was literally on fire. After the shooting of Jacob Blake, and uh, you know, even though I live just north of you all in Racine, still southeastern Wisconsin, but it's it's different when you live there. So I'd, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. Um, and could you describe to those of us who don't live there what was it like amid the chaos? And and since then, how have you and others responded uh, to the that incident?
1: What's very difficult in cities like Racine and Kenosha is that we don't have a media presence. We're, we're fortunate now that there's Facebook Live and we're fortunate that we were able to watch what was going on in our community on social media, but the media couldn't keep up with what was happening here. And so that was really scary in and of itself because we were all tuning in (laughs) to social media to understand what was happening blocks from our home, blocks from our business. And the very first night of the riots, um, I was watching the Facebook Live and my mother-in-law lives just blocks from where the destruction was happening. And we saw, we saw at the courthouse, the garbage trucks being set on fire. And so I sent my husband to go get my mother-in-law out of bed and bring her to our home. Um, so she wasn't alone there. While he was gone in that short amount of time, I started receiving text messages. Now I'm the president of our downtown Kenosha Association. And I started receiving text messages as building after building was being damaged. And literally, I was getting real-time text messages of windows being broken, businesses being looted, businesses being damaged, scared tenants up above businesses that the, the streets were, were you know, full of rioters. By the time my husband got home from getting his mom, which is, is actually only about six blocks from my house, I, w- I was on my knees crying. I, mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't, I couldn't fathom that our downtown was was being destroyed in in just in minutes i mean in minutes and i have an intimate relationship with so many of these small business owners i mean these are my friends these are the people you know that i go and get coffee from every morning these are the people that i i celebrate my birthday with these are the people these are my friends they're like my extended family and it literally just my heart was breaking from somebody that is a leader in the area, I, I just didn't know how to help. It was It was one of the scariest things I've ever felt. And at the same time, our executive director of Downtown Kenosha Inc. was messaging me. And she was a light. She was such a light through all of this because she told me, Jen, in the morning, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to assemble volunteers and we're gonna have to clean up what's going on and we're gonna have to get boards and we're gonna have to and she was telling me exactly what happened needed to happen next. And I I mean I felt like as a leader I was failing because I was I was the one sitting there crying and she was the one telling me what what we were gonna do next. And by morning, 6 a.m. in the morning, I mean we had a curfew of 7 a.m. from the city. But I, I rode my bike down um, even though I wasn't supposed to, <laughs> uh, to to assess the damage and look at what was going on. And there were already so many volunteers with that had brought brooms and had brought garbage bags and had brought water. And we're already on the streets cleaning up. And it was it was amazing to see that that, that this community was showing up for us instantaneously as well, my director said, just knowing that Julian Associates is capable of, of setting up technology and, and GoFundMes and stuff, she came to me and said, I need you to start a GoFundMe right now for these businesses, like right now. <laughs> and so behind the scenes, I had my, my team working on that, setting up that GoFundMe page. Um, and I was also fielding tons of tons of telephone calls from the media from outside the area that wanted to report on what had happened in our downtown. And we were, you know, helping with that. It was a, it was a day where I saw, I saw community, probably the biggest sense of community. I realized why I love this city so much through the tragedy and through the I mean, there was so much pain happening in our city at that time. But the people of Kenosha showed up to take care of each other, showed up to take care of each other's businesses. And that to me meant, it meant everything. It meant everything. And the next two weeks, I mean, as the riots continued and the damage continued, my husband and I, I I don't even know how many hours we actually worked over those two weeks because he was out volunteering boarding up buildings i was helping our downtown director field me- media inquiries our downtown facebook page received over 10,000 messages nationwide from people wanting to give money we ended up raising over $300,000 to help our downtown businesses and it was just it was just a city that 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 took care of itself. We had a riot reporter come uh, to the city to report on us. And he said, Kenosha is not like any other city that I have ever reported on. He said, during the riot, I went, you know, I was watching safely from his hotel room. He said, I watched somebody start a dumpster on fire. And I watched, as soon as the rioters had passed, a citizen walk out of their home and put that fire out. And walk back in their house. And that's who Kenosha is. Mm. It's just, it's difficult what we went through. But I think that in a sense, it just showed, it just showed the whole world who we are. Unfortunately, some of the media coverage or a lot of the media coverage isn't telling that story. But locally, I can tell you that it's united us. We've also, I mean, now obviously there's the our city leaders are taking a good hard look at how we have to improve safety. And Mm -hmm. we have to start having prioritizing having body cams on our police officers. Um, I've also been participating in and I also know that many of our our local leaders have been participating in racial equity conversations and training. That's at a forefront of something we have to fix in our city.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, there's just, there's just a lot we have to fix. But there's also a lot of a lot that's come out of this That has united us.
0: First of all, thank you for for explaining all of that. And I know that's heavy, but thank you, first of all. The second thing I want to encourage you with is, um, I am so grateful to hear you say that you didn't know what to do. (laughs) Here's here's one of the reasons why, because there are so many times that I'm not facing a a literal fire downtown and people are looking at me for answers. I'm, I'm facing things like. Uh, how to manage people well, and and people listening in similarly are facing things that they don't know how to do them, and they think that they should be the expert on all of it. So thank you for reminding us that true leadership uh, is found in those vulnerable moments when you can say, "I'm not sure what to do," and then the people around you can come in and give an idea and some direction. Um, so thank you for sharing that.
1: You know, there hasn't been a playbook for this year, and I think. Those of us that have remained open-minded and willing to listen, to just listen to everybody that's willing to come to the table and help and make improvements right now, are the are the ones that are coming out stronger this year. You know, there were there were simple things that we learned during that process that we just stopped to listen. That when you when you board up a building, you then have to to spray it with uh, flame retardant, <laughs> and it it, it sounds. It sounds like something like, wow, there should have been like a riot handbook and we all would have known that, but obviously we didn't. And someone, a volunteer showed up and, and told us that. And our willingness to listen, the, the volunteer's willingness to show up, I think just said a lot. And one other thing that happened was, you know, there was graffiti everywhere all over our city and it was, it was atrocious. It was things you would never want children to see. It was things that were embarrassing And there was a lot of hateful speech as well. We erased that. The volunteers showed up and they erased that. We didn't wait for the riots to get over to say, okay, let's fix it. No, we got out there and we erased it. And the next night it might have been put back up, but we erased it again. (laughs) And I think that just says so much about how when we are in these situations, we can stand up for ourselves. We don't have to just run away we we can stand up for ourselves as cities and as communities when we're when we're fought, when we're being um, targeted, and and show that we're not going to stand for it.
0: So much good there. I hope everybody that's listening in is uh, is feeling that because uh, I think it's coming across loud and clear that out of the rubble there is hope. Um, and and you, you touched on a couple of things that I want to um, ask about. I, I think reflection is something that you talked about earlier in the, in the conversation here. And I think reflection is a powerful and sometimes you know, can be a painful way for leaders to grow. Um, as you look back on 2020, and not, not just uh, the, the experience that we just talked about, but I know that's part of 2020 for you. As you look back on 2020, what are some of the biggest leadership lessons that you've learned?
1: What's most important for me is that we don't forget the perspective that 2020 gave us all. Mm -hmm. I think as a country, we realized we weren't prepared in many ways that we should have been. As individuals, I think we reevaluated our personal and business priorities. I, I know that I did. And I think that 2020 brought to light for us things that we needed to prioritize in our lives and in our businesses and and fix and to make better and how to better prepare our our cities how to better prepare our country how to better prepare our just just even our children for some of the circumstances that that we're up against i feel very blessed through all of this that i work in a tech forward business because our clients didn't ever feel the impact of there there was no delays there was no downtime I think that we all need to evaluate. You know how do we how do we operate when things don't go as planned, and how do we how do we function as companies and get creative when we can't do the same thing that we're used to doing every day? I, I often joke that the first two months of COVID I spent doing crisis communication, which I hadn't done you know for twenty years since I graduated from college, <laughs> and so you know it it was it was a year of adapting, and I just I just hope that. We don't lose. We don't lose what we learn this year, and that we continue to to leverage it to make our companies and our world a better place.
0: As we end the the time together, you know, how, how are you going to make the most out of the year ahead? Uh, you know, this is the first uh, episode published in twenty twenty one. Anything that you'd like to encourage listeners with as they are looking forward this year?
1: I would just encourage everyone to to not let failure ever be an option. There's there's always a way. And I encourage everyone to look for that way, to continue to be creative, and to continue to push our country and our cities to be better, to be more creative, to, to be kinder, and to listen more. Because at the end of the day, we can all be the change that we wish to see whether how small we choose to do that, whether it's just opening a door for somebody, carrying something, or if it's you want to run for politics or you want to to start a fundraiser, whatever that looks like for you, I just encourage everybody to be the change that they want to see. Talk is cheap. And we need, we all, the world needs you. The world needs all of us to make a difference. And I just encourage everybody in 2021 to be the change you wish to see.
0: There's going to be a lot of people that want to connect with you. Uh, where would you direct them from here if they want to continue the dialogue, the engagement with you all?
1: The simplest way to, to get a hold of me usually is my email, and it's Jennifer at jenniferatgodooly.com. It's like GoDaddy, but Godooly. So G-O-D-O-O-L-E-Y.com.
0: Awesome. So we'll have uh, that in the show notes as well. Um, thank you again, Jen. We, we I can't thank you enough for taking time. Um, you have goals that you need to hit, but, but I knew, I knew that we were going to hear uh, your heart and it came across in this. There's so much more going on uh, than running a company. You are entrenched in the community and we can all benefit from that because as you said, talk is cheap and uh, the world needs people to show up. So thank you for doing this and thank you for your encouragement in this interview.
1: Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Okay, so takeaway and action item. Takeaways. Number one, moments of vulnerability are moments to lead. Number two, face your shortcomings. There's a good chance that it will benefit everyone around you. Number three, this is probably my favorite talk is cheap. Do something about it. So that leads to the action items. Number one, do you step up to actually be the change as Jen talked about? Or are you letting someone else do it? If you're not stepping up, now's the time. Number two, look for hope and be hope for others. We all need it. Now to get more content, You can go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast. You'll have access to dozens of other conversations similar to the one you just listened to. But the point of each of these interviews is to aid in your growth as a leader, regardless of your title. And if you're listening on your phone, here's what I would ask you to do. Just scroll down a little bit in in the uh, podcast episode that you're in. Scroll down. You'll see a couple things. Now you see those stars? Click five stars and share this episode with a friend. It helps us big time. We appreciate it. And if you're really feeling up to it, you could write a review also. Once again, happy new year. Thank you for being on the journey with us. And from all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.